Hello friends, welcome to another episode of Genius and Ink podcast. I'm Vashek Armenikus, your host, and I would like to give you a small disclaimer about this episode. This episode is going to be based on my article that is called Simone Weil, Paying Attention as a Spiritual Exercise. I have to say, I wanted to write this piece for such a long time. There were ideas that I wanted to share, I wanted to discuss, I wanted everyone else to know about, and I spent a lot of time writing this piece. And eventually, it turned out to be slightly longer than my usual pieces of writing. I'm really afraid that this length might scare some people off, because I know that you are busy going through your lives, you have so many things to do, and I appreciate every second that you spend watching my videos, listening to my podcast, or reading my newsletters, and I appreciate your time. Time is our only uh, non-renewable resource, and for this reason, I thought I will record this article in audio format so you can listen to it while you are on the way to work or while you are having lunch or at any other convenient time when you cannot particularly particularly read but you can at least listen to those thoughts. So this episode is not going to be exactly a podcast episode, which is slightly lighter, slightly easier, has a different kind of style. It's going to be me just sitting down and reading this piece out loud to you. I hope I will read it well and you'll stay engaged with it. I'm rambling now, so from this time on, after this rambling, you're going to listen to my article that is called Simone Weil, Paying Attention as a spiritual exercise. On my third day of moving to London, I had a horrible experience. I was on the train to work and a group of football fans clearly told me that I'm not welcome in this city as an immigrant. My excitement of being and living in London almost died down until the evening of that same day. On my way home, I was approached by a young man who almost angrily started asking me, Are you from London? Are you from London? I have to say that every mental and physical muscle of mine was prepared to fight this young man at that moment. But then the young chap told me that something happened to his family and he was urgently looking for the train station and was wondering if I know where he could find it. This happened eight years ago, and I had no such bad experience in London ever since. But I've learned a lesson from this situation that will stay with me for a long time. Sometimes we surrender our reason to our reflexes. We cease to pay attention and refuse to think anew. This, in turn, leads to our past experiences define our future ones. Part 1. Journaling with Weil At that time, I had no idea who the philosopher Simone Weil was. I hadn't even heard her name. But the diary entries she wrote in the early 1940s echo closely with the journal entries I wrote back in 2015. In her journals, Whale wrote that 
What we call the world are the meanings that we read. In another entry, she brings an example. While walking along a deserted road at night, I glimpsed a man off to the side, waiting to ambush me. This menacing presence turned out to be false when I came nearer and realized that it was, in fact, a tree. What has changed, of course, is not the world, but Wales' reading of it. In the same way as my reading of the world changed when I understood that the intentions of the young man, the young chap, who came and approached me and started asking me whether I'm from London or not, weren't aggressive, in fact, but were actually benign. In contrast to thinkers such as John Locke or Jean-Paul Sartre, who say that our outlook to the world is defined by our sensations, Whale states that our outlook is defined by our values. In other words, the way you read the world and interpret it depends on your values. But of course, my dear reader, there is a big question that hovers above us. Is there a center from where we can call and see all the different ways the world could be read? How can we see all the other different readings of the world? In her notebooks, Weil writes that the way we can do this and find this center is by paying attention. Weil's definition of what attention means, however, is very different from everyone else's. In fact, every idea that Weil expresses could be found in a thinker from the past or from her contemporaries, but her idea, her outlook, always has a fresh angle, a fresh insight. For while attention is not just the muscular effort of concentrating or focusing on certain tasks, as some thinkers choose to define it. No, for while attention is very different. It is th this kind of muscular attention flourishes in therapists' offices, in business schools and funeral homes. It is a performative rather than reflective act, one that displays rather than truly pays attention. Instead, to pay true attention for a while is more about withdrawal of the self. To explain this, Let's take a look at Wilde's teaching style, and I bet that you would like to have a teacher like her in your school. I would definitely want a teacher like this. In 1933, Simone Weil used to teach classes on maths, geometry, and philosophy in a small French village of Rouen. Weil was one of the most unorthodox teachers at this school. She used to take her pupils outside and teach her classes underneath a cedar tree. Instead of looking for the answers to the problems of geometry, as some other teachers did, as most of the teachers did, Weil urged her students to actively find new problems in this field. They had to look at geometry as a whole, immerse themselves into every detail of their subject, instead of narrowing down their minds by concentrating on a single problem. 
she refused to give her students any grades because she thought that grades distract and narrow down one's approach to the world. When you grade your students, you shift their attention and priority from the great subjects such as maths to minor bureaucratic elements such as grade. In sum, Wiles' primary task wasn't to teach them geometry. Her primary task was to teach her pupils to pay attention to geometry. Paying attention as a spiritual exercise. The purpose of true philosophy is to give you a set of spiritual exercises so you could sculpt your better self. Philosophy gives you tools to change the way in which you see the world and thus change yourself. The Roman philosopher King Marcus Aurelius kept a journal of his spiritual exercises. Today, we know this journal as meditations. Marcus writes in his journal that the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. If we paraphrase this quote, we can get something that Weil herself writes in her notebook. She writes, you read the world through the prism of your own inner values. There are striking similarities between Weil's journal and Marcus Aurelius's meditations. For example, neither of them mention anything about contemporary events that surrounded them. If you don't know who Marcus Aurelius is, you will never guess that he was Roman, or that he was an emperor, or that he lived 2,000 years ago when you read this, uh, his meditations. It is the same with Wiles' journals. She fought against Franco's forces in the Spanish Civil War. She took part in the French resistance organizations during the Nazi occupation of France. But if you open her journals and read them, you will never know whether she was a contemporary of Marcus Aurelius or a Spanish resistance fighter of 1930s. Wiles' journals are also full of spiritual exercises. In one entry, she writes, Never put something off indefinitely, but only to a definitely fixed time. Try to do this even when it is impossible. Exercises. Decide to do something no matter what, and do it exactly at a certain time. In another note, she tells herself, never surrender to the flow of time. Allow yourself only those feelings which are actually called upon for the effective use, or else are required by thought for the sake of uh, inspiration. For a while, life is a continuous sculpting of one's inner world by learning how we can outgrow our selfish reflexes to withdraw yourself from life and then to reflect upon it is the way we can learn how to pay true attention the highest form of attentiveness compassion and reverence in 2016 i used to live in one of the areas of the north london every morning on my way to work i used to see a homeless man sitting on the cold floor reading a book in front of him, he had one of those disposable coffee cups where you could throw some spare change if you cared. He sat there every day, and every day he read. 
He never got distracted from his book unless he had to thank someone for giving him money. As a bibliophile, I always tried to look at what sort of books he reads when I leaned to drop some change in his cup. It seemed to me that he read everything he could get his hands on, and one day I asked him if there was a book I could buy for him. He told me that he would love to read Stephen Fry's book on myths that was released around that time. I bought him that book, and I could see a true joy on his face when I handed it to him the next day. I have to say, I did this unconsciously. Only a book lover knows how solitary reading can be. Bibliophiles are in constant search for the kindred spirits, and that homeless man was a kindred spirit to me. Weil would say that what I was doing is a form of paying attention. For her, compassion is one of the highest forms of attentiveness. She writes that attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. The act of giving oneself, turning away from one's own self and turning toward the world, making it a place for others by placing one's own self in a subordinate position, is a true attention. Attentiveness entails the difficult task of waiting, not for the world to take note of us, but for us to take note of the world. Another high form of attention, according to Weil, is reverence. She borrows the concept of Achtung, which was developed by the German philosopher Immanuel Kant in his work on the metaphysics of morals. Achtung is awareness. It is a form of attention which happens when we register the embodiment of the universal moral law in someone. There are moments when another's gesture or word marks our lives. It commands our respect. It demands our reverence. The presence of Achtung, Kant writes, makes us worthy of humanity. Reverence is an important part of our lives because it reveals to us that there is something deeper in life than ourselves. It reveals to us that there is something other than ourselves that is real. Only through attentiveness one can notice this depth and meaning that surrounds us. And the final chapter. The Spanish Catholic priest, St. Ignatius of Loyola, wrote that the disturbed mind resembles a fly trapped in a glass. It flies up and down, to the left and right, without any particular purpose, without knowing where exactly it's flying. I find this metaphor to be so precise when it comes to the description of my own mind sometimes. My mind sometimes flies from one book to another, from one ambition to the next, like a fly trapped in the glass. I don't know where I'm headed towards sometimes. Loyola, as Marcus Aurelius before him and Simon Weil after him, had his own set of spiritual exercises. In fact, all great thinkers that you can think of trained their minds in one way or another. I am no great thinker. I'm just a man who enjoys reading thoughts written by my dead friends like Simon Weil.
But this dead friend taught me to never let my experiences become mere reflexes. Whale taught me that the true attention is a search for meaning, for different ways of looking at the world. She taught me the meaning of true learning, true compassion, and true reverence. Whale told me that this triumvirate is the highest way we can pay true attention to the world. I've been keeping a journal for the past 15 years, and most of my entries differ significantly in their style and purpose from the entries of Simone Weil. I have to say, however, that as the time passes, and as I grow older, the pages of my journals are seeing more and more of spiritual exercises similar to the great thinkers such as Weil and Marcus Aurelius. As my attentiveness increases... So does my desire to fix my inner faults and the way I read the world. This is the end of the article. If you listened and survived till uh, this point, I am very grateful to you. I am very thankful. And um, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to this. I know my reading skills are not that good. I'm not exactly an audible professional reader of books, but I wanted this to be a bit more accessible because those ideas that I've just read out to you are important to me and um, I would like to share with people like you. I'll see you in the next edition of both Genius and Ink newsletter and Genius and Ink podcast. Thank you so much. This was Vasha Karmenikas. Have a great day. See you in the, in the next one.